All right, welcome back to another episode of the student section with Andrew and Kyle. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kyle. Uh, today's episode, we are joined with Michael Horn. Uh, Michael, uh, say hi. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. So I uh, uh, went to public school uh, growing up um, and then uh, went to, uh, after uh, college, um, uh, ended up working in the uh, political and writing world for a couple of years for David Gergen, uh, who, to the extent any of your listeners watch CNN, you may see him on there occasionally. And then I went to business school uh, and ended up uh, connecting with a professor there who's the father of a large body of innovation theory and ended up writing about uh, public education with him and uh, written several books, uh, started a think tank, started a few other organizations, and uh, uh, just recently wrote a book called Choosing College to help students and parents make better decisions. My first kind of question is, how were you like in high school and how did you change over time compared to now? Yeah, yeah. You know, the first part of my high school career, I'd say, uh, you know, I was sort of playing the game, if you will, um, going, doing the minimal amount of work uh, that it would take to get the grade and uh, enjoying myself, to be sure. But it wasn't necessarily about applying myself deeply. And as uh, school went on, particularly the end of junior year, uh, things changed for me. I wasn't super stressed by junior year like some people are. I, I, I didn't find it that hard or anything like that. Uh, but I got tapped to be the managing editor of the uh, school newspaper, which was a pretty intense activity at my high school. I was super involved uh, in the uh, jazz band scene in high school and then super involved uh, in, in tennis. Uh, but it was that newspaper experience in particular, because I, I wasn't trying to be the managing editor of the paper. I just thought I'd be a sports editor. And the fact that these upperclassmen, seniors who were graduating, saw something in me that maybe I hadn't thought about really inspired me and changed my trajectory. And so got much more serious senior year, really started taking, uh, sort of developed the drive and uh, to not just play the game, but really invest in it. and then. I think in many ways that carried into college where I got super involved in the student newspaper that got me to be super connected to the uh, leadership uh, at Yale University where I went. And then that in turn uh, helped me find my first job and just set me on a, on a, on a path. I, I, I think I like to lead my life with balance, but uh, there's no question that sort of just taking an opportunity, right, that you don't think uh, is necessarily you can really change your life for the better. So where did you go to college, uh, Michael? Yeah, I went I went to Yale. Who applied the pressure for you to go to Yale? Was it self-driven? Did your parents apply, like, kind of for, turn you to the direction of Ivy League? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking Ivy League, but I was definitely thinking top, uh, you know, traditionally ranked schools when I was applying. And I, I sort of didn't see other options, if that makes sense. Um, the, the the big pressure, frankly, from my parents was to stay, uh, we joked, east of the Mississippi. I, I, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and they didn't want me to go to Stanford or something like that. Uh, and f frankly, I, I didn't want to apply to Yale. My dad had gone there, and sort of that was a turnoff from my perspective. But when I visited it, just because my parents said, hey, we're up in New York, we might as well swing by and see the campus. And I was like, this is a waste of time. It's never going to result in anything. You guys are being idiots. and uh, I, we, we, we were there and it just blew me away. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is the, where I want to go. Uh, 
to be sure, I thought about it for several more months. Uh, the uh, girl I was dating at the time, she applied early as well and, uh, and ended up doing the same and, and, uh, and, and got in. And so that was binding at the time and went there. But I, I think my parents sort of shaped the set of choices that I had, not necessarily Ivy League, you know, places like Duke uh, and UNC Chapel Hill were certainly on the list as well, just to give an example. But it was in a certain set of schools and I was uh, academically and extracurricularly, I think had the, uh, you know, ha- had with those set of, I-, I was in the right league, if that makes sense. So do you think your experience at Yale gave you kind of a boost uh, moving forward throughout your life um, as opposed to maybe going to a, like a state school? Yeah, or- it's a good question. My own take on it is that if, if you look at the research, it's, it's basically once you get to the school, if you really apply yourself, and not just academically, frankly, because my academics were okay, but more apply yourself in terms of uh, the extracurricular environment, connections, alumni, things of that nature, and really get to know people and impress in some way, then you can forge really great pathways out of a lot of schools uh, that don't appear on those lists. There's no question, you know, I, I don't know what I thought I was getting when I went to Yale, but there's no question that the people I met and the friends I made of administrators, you know, the Yale president, leaders on campus, alumni, that opened some doors for me that directly led to the path that I'm on. So there's no question my Yale experience directly impacted me. But I think that's an experience you can have at lots and lots of different places. And I I, I almost wish uh, I had understood that a little bit more, that it's really about the people you meet and uh, getting to know them deeply, because those are the people that are going to change your lives. And you can do that at lots of places. You talk about making connections and all of that. Would you say finding the school that best fits you is more important than going to, you know, a top-rated school or, you know, a, a college that's higher up? Yeah, a thousand percent. I think it's, we way over-index on sort of the, quote, top 25 or top 50 schools or something like that. We way overthink the importance of them and don't realize that, if you end up at one of those places and there's a bunch of things that are non-starters for you, for example, you end up at one of those schools, uh, maybe Greek life is a significant part of the school and that's just not who you are. It's going to be a bad fit. It's going to create a lot of tension in your life and a lot of unhappiness, much better to find fit where you're comfortable, uh, the, the sorts of programs or opportunities that you're excited about. And so, you know, the question obviously as a junior or senior in high school is how do you figure that out? And in in some ways, I think it's more important to figure out what you don't want than what you do want. Like, what is totally out for you? Go visit schools, regardless of whether they're ones, frankly, that you're going to apply to. Just go visit local schools to get a sense of, do do I hate a big campus? Do I hate a small campus? Do I hate an urban campus? Do I hate a rural campus? Just to start ruling things out. Because uh, you might find, hey, like I have no idea academically what I want to do, but I know that if they don't have this option, like I'm not going to be happy. And so make sure then the schools that you put in your list only have those options. Uh, otherwise, you're sort of diluting yourself. So I, th- I think fit is way more important than the rankings, which especially as you get later on in life, you realize they sort of fade away in importance to you as a person. And it's much more how you did and how you applied yourself and who you met. You said that you didn't apply yourself uh, very much in high school, but yet you still got into a top-rated high, um, top-rated university. <laughs> yeah. 
were standards different back then or were you just did you really just apply yourself to a lot of extracurriculars that to Yale just didn't matter yeah well I mean I should say I did well right like I I I I, I uh got great grades uh, but I apply more deeply than that. I think it's it's uh, fair to say if people knew me at the time, they sort of were annoyed that I wasn't stressed by courses and things that like that. Um, and uh, so, so I, I think I did well. I took leadership roles in extracurriculars, which is something that has always been true of me. Uh, I, I like leading. I like being uh, in the center, if you will, and on stage. Uh, and so that's been consistent. That was consistent then at college as well. Um, but I, I think what turned was sort of that seriousness, the sense that it's not just all about the fun you're having socially, right? But that uh, the fun can be through the activities and the work you do as well. And, and that was, I think, a, a, a bit of a change for me. And it led me, I think, when I went to Yale to invest in it in a different way, in the sense that I was really excited just about exploring the different subjects that were out there, the different clubs that I maybe hadn't done before, uh, getting to know people that I wouldn't have otherwise met uh, just because uh, I, I, I saw value in that for its own right, if that makes sense. But by the way, to answer your other question, were standards different then? There's no question it's harder to get into a specific college today than it was when I applied. Uh, you know, the, the selectivity of Yale, I think, is it's like half, uh, half or maybe even a little lower than that, frankly, uh, from when I applied. And when I interview students and, and talk to uh, current students at Yale, I stay involved uh, in, in, in the campus in, in different ways. I'm just blown away with the caliber uh, of, of young people today and what they do. I, I will say it is actually easier today to get into a top 50 school than it was when I applied in the sense that there's many more, uh, excuse me, there's people are applying to many more schools because of the Common App and things like that that didn't exist. So the chances of getting into a specific top 50 school are harder, but to get into a top 50 school in general is actually easier, if that makes sense. You're like you will get into one place. During that time, you talked about your grades and all that. How, how much do you think was a student's grades or flex underperformance in school? Yeah, it's a good question. Sorry, so, meaning like grades reflect. Uh, just, just, just give me a little bit more, sort of what you're thinking. So, like in um in our Nova Lab class, um, our teacher, uh, Mr. Height, uh, uses a gradeless system that measures our progress more so than our. I don't know. Back to be honest, I don't. I don't know what a numbers and letters system instead of the numbers and letters system. No, no. I was gonna say I'm a big advocate of moving past a letter grade system. Uh, into a system that shows progress and what you've actually mastered. I think it communicates way more deeply what you know and can do, uh, where your deficiencies are in, in a lot of classes <laughs> in high school. Like I remember physics very well as a junior, and this may be an example for you. You could do terrible on an exam, but then you do a bunch of extra credit that uh, gets you bonus points, and so you still get the A. Did I understand some of the key concepts underlying physics? Well, you know, you could ask my wife and she'd say doubtful today. Uh, and so I, I think you, you sort of get this sense that if you look at it from a mastery or progress-based uh, uh, grading system, where when you've actually mastered something, you, you just simply get a tick, hey, this person mastered this, right? And get a look at that is a much smarter way. And it doesn't conflate things like behavior uh, or attendance or things like that that sometimes gets co-mingled with your grades on your academics. 
those things should be, I would say, separate sort of uh, uh, standards around um, a, a person's uh, grit, their perseverance, you know, th things like that can be measured in different ways and should be indicated differently. I know you have your new book, Choosing Conch. Can you tell us what that's kind of uh, the main idea of that book is? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the big idea is that uh, we focus a lot in society around how to get into college or what steps you should take or which college uh, you should go to, but we don't step back and ask a more fundamental question, which is why are you going? You could hear it in my story, right? That I didn't really, I, I, I struggled to answer your question about how the list <laughs> got formulated for me because like, I don't really know because we never step back to ask why, why was I going? What, what was I trying to achieve? What's the progress I was trying to make? And so this book is all around helping students answer that first question. And it's a really important question because uh, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that 40% of students, when they go to college, they don't graduate within uh, six years from a four-year school. If you're going to a two-year school, uh, it's even worse than that. And uh, if you don't graduate when you go to college and you've taken on some debt to go, it can be crippling to the rest of your life trying to pay that off because you don't get the earnings bump uh, from, from a college degree. And so it's a really important decision to, just as you guys were asking, uh, figure out what's the right fit for you. And once you, uh, and, and, and you understand what fit is when you understand your why. So basically the book is around helping students figure out their why and then being able to brainstorm a set of options that match that why so that they get a good fit. Um, going back to the fit and um, I guess the why question, um, we asked you earlier uh, about finding your perfect fit in terms of college. But maybe finding your perfect fit, maybe not even going to college, going to the military, going straight to like a trade school, going right to work. Well, do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, totally. I think way too many students, and frankly, it's not even just students, it's parents and educators, right? I have a piece coming out in the next couple of weeks that a lot of high school counselors, they just recommend college for all sort of as a knee-jerk reaction without asking that why question first. I think in our society, we have unfortunately narrowed the set of acceptable choices for students, uh, which has been deeply unfortunate. In the 1970s, there were a lot of pathways that people could recommend that would lead to a good life and good jobs and so forth. And for a lot of students, we've said, really, it's just college now. And, and I think that's a mistake. And it's a cool time to be, frankly, a teen right now because there's a lot of new options starting to emerge out there. There's the military, as you said, apprenticeships uh, in high-tech fields are starting to be created for the first time. It's not just apprenticeships uh, in, in, in really, frankly, well-paying jobs uh, that, that are blue-collar, uh, but there's an even more expansion of the pipeline of, of what you could choose. There's new college alternative programs being created. There's gap year programs that curate experiences and, and allow you to make money uh, instead of spend a lot of money during that first year. So there's a whole set of new programs that I think students should really be considering because one of the biggest dangers we saw is that there's a whole set of students who go to college simply to do what's expected of them. And they literally can't see any other options besides college. And they feel like they have to fulfill their parent or their educator or their peers sense of what they should do next, right? For its own sake, not because of an, like something inside of them. And when you go to college under those circumstances, uh, in our sample, 74% of students dropped out or transferred. 
So that's a brutal statistic, right? And I, I just think it's because we've narrowed the set of options that they could choose from. If they could only see, gee, there's a gap year experience that would allow me to take a couple jobs, take a couple short online courses, do an apprenticeship and learn about what do I want to do and then figure out the right path for me. I think we could create a lot more productive opportunities like that for students. What coming up and up again is this constant questioning of what's the best fit for you? Uh, what's going to help you for the future? How do you think current schools are, are encouraging students to ask that question? No, I don't think they are. I think uh, we spend a lot of time on sharpening your resume, sharpening your set of activities and things like that. Uh, what's the next class you're going to take? What's the sequence, right? How many AP courses? All that stuff is sort of the rat race that we've gotten ourselves into in uh, high schools. We focus a lot on test scores and things of that nature. I, I really, one of the strong recommendations that I, I wish, frankly, I'd written more about in the book, but I'm now writing a lot about uh, in, in, in various publications and articles is that high school educators need to figure out a way to help students step back and think about, you know, what are their passions? What's their purpose? What, what sort of gets them excited and help them even figure out the universe of opportunities that are out there that might align with, with who they are and what they're trying to achieve. Uh, because we spend way too little time in high school focusing on uh, things that, you're passionate about and sort of a sense of purpose in your life. Um, some schools are starting to turn this around, but my sense is it's very few. And frankly, a lot of the cuts in classes or uh, cutting back on some extracurricular activities, I think in some ways have narrowed the high school curriculum in unfortunate ways uh, that make it hard for students to find these different pathways that really might speak to them. So I don't know if you're familiar um, with Project Wayfinder and Patrick Cook Deegan. Yeah, I am. Actually, Project Wayfinder is one of the ones we mentioned in the book and one of the ones I've written about. I think that's, you know, a course like that during study hall. It sounds like you guys know them and probably take them. Um, that helps you start to search, right, for, for what your purpose. I'd love to see a lot more high schools doing that and, and not, not stopping there. To me, that's like the first step. And then the second step would also be helping students meet people from different walks of life, prototype different job opportunities, maybe even take eight weeks during the year to actually work a set of jobs uh, as part of the curriculum, like things like that that really push the envelope. Uh, yeah, so me and Kyle do Project Wayfinder as part of our innovation, uh, innovation lab class every Monday. We do it once a week every Monday. And um, I, you may have answered this question already. You, I know you were touching on it with your last answer, but... Um, you're talking about that it's not enough. And you think that schools should adopt maybe a half year, half semester, or um, what am I talking about? A full semester, a full semester of just learning about your purpose, or maybe even a full year class. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think Project Wayfinder is a huge step forward. Frankly, uh, you guys are way more expert into it because you've been taking it. So I'd love your th your, your thoughts on it, but. Uh, I think that it's great. It's it creating a framework for you to ask these questions and a great sort of uh, way to take you through figuring out answers for, for who you are right now, because of course that can change over time. But I also think, for example, there was a school in California, Summit Public Schools, where students uh, four times during the year for two weeks, they get off campus and they work in externships or internships in the community. Uh, and 
they get to try out different programs that the school curates intentionally. So through that, students get to meet a bunch of people working in the world that maybe are totally different from what their parents or their friends' parents do. Uh, they get to actually be on the ground and figure out what do I like doing? What do I maybe more importantly not like doing? And get much more precision uh, around the sorts of questions that Project Wayfinder is starting to have you ask, but with real on the ground experience, like really prototyping it. I mean, I, I, I like to joke that, and this is actually serious though, but I grew up in Washington, DC, and uh, I literally did not know what an engineer was until junior or senior year of college. Um, I just didn't know it existed because in Washington, DC, like we don't have engineers. We have like politicians and doctors and lawyers uh, and other sort of strange life forms, but we, we don't have uh, engineers. And so I literally didn't know it existed. Can you imagine if a school had intentionally curated an opportunity to be uh, for a couple weeks with, uh, you know, with a set of engineers and, uh, and, and they, they were there in Northern Virginia uh, just to learn what they do and, and sort of a different application of science and, and technology and mathematics that I just didn't even know existed. Uh, and so it's those sorts of things that I think a course is a helpful step into, but I'd love to see schools do even more. Do you think these, um, these kind of educational reforms that we've been talking about can be implemented nationwide? Um, specifically, I'm thinking of the difference between suburban uh, school districts and maybe more underfunded um, inner city school districts. Um, I know people, when people wistfully talk about, oh, we're gonna change education, I, we, I don't even think we've solved our solve the problem of um, making a uniform education system for every single American citizen, no matter what neighborhood you live in, what town you live in, what state you live in. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Look, it's it's going to be hard, right? And, and there's no incentives, frankly, in place for high schools to start to move in the direction that I'm talking about. Uh, and in some cases, it's intention with just nailing the basics, as you're alluding to. That having been said, uh, I guess my my push that I've taken to myself is I, I think it's actually going to be very hard to tackle some of the basic challenges that we face in education uh, around basic subject mastery and sort of an equity around uh, certain opportunities unless we connect those experiences to purpose and real world opportunities at some level for, for two reasons. One, seeing how an academic subject actually connects to the real world can ignite in students deeper desire to, to actually do that work. And then the second thing uh, is, is frankly, by narrowing the curriculum. So, uh, you know, in, in a lot of urban school districts, for example, right now, they double up on reading, they double up on mathematics, and they cut out science uh, or social studies or things like that. And, and the evidence is actually really clear on this, that uh, in, in the case of reading, after a certain point, it's not like becoming better at the skill of reading or the skill of, of identifying a main idea in a passage. It's really about how broad is your knowledge base so that when you read a new, uh, some new text that you haven't read before, you can actually understand what they're talking about. There, there's a famous experiment where uh, they, they asked uh, struggling readers who knew a lot about baseball and high achieving readers who knew very little about baseball to read a passage about baseball and identify the main passage and all the questions you know that the tests ask you and the high achievers actually did terrible because when it said you know so you know the runners stole second base they had no idea whether that was a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> um, 
And so like context really matters. And I, I kind of fear that by narrowing the curriculum and excluding these possibilities from students, we're actually making uh, some of the challenges you just mentioned actually harder to tackle rather than easier, if that makes sense. So unfortunately, I would, we would love to keep talking to you more, but I think we're running out of time. Um, just a final question uh, to wrap it up. Um, do you have any last words, anything you want to say to uh, listeners or just? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, super appreciate uh, you all uh, asking the questions you did. Um, you're the first person, you're the first people to ask what my own high school experience was like, um, which may be shocking given how many media interviews I do. But I think understanding from where people come, what they're trying to achieve is critical. And if, if students, you know, you all can ask those questions of yourself and, and honestly shine the mirror on yourselves, you'll have a clear idea of what represents good for you and more importantly, what's a non-starter. And then really be, don't be afraid to break the mold. Like my biggest advice is, you know, things like taking a gap year, things like uh, following an opportunity that seems super exciting, but it's not conventional. That's where you create really awesome experiences that change your life. And when you go out of those, out of those pathways, we didn't talk about that as much on, in, in my life, but when you step off those pathways, that's really where you create value and excitement and happiness for you. And so I'd encourage people to jump at opportunities that maybe seem different, uh, but actually are incredibly productive toward helping them figure out who they are and, and build a, an exciting, successful life. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Uh, see you guys.